0: Aquaponics for everyone Grow big or grow home. Alright, what's up everybody? This is RK today and I am talking with Anne from Mobius Microfarms Farms in Portland, Oregon excited to see what she's doing, so she was generous enough to talk to me today. So, how are you doing today, Ann? I'm
1: doing great. Thanks so much for talking with me.
0: Yeah, so we always start off the interview asking people, you know, what got you started with doing aquaponics in the first place?
1: Yeah, so in my case, um, I'm trained as a biologist, a research biologist, and I was doing research projects about aquatic invasive species. And um, basically, I love research. I love the methodology of research and just the way that you can find out an answer in a very unbiased way and how to approach things like that. Um, But um, something like aquatic species that are invasive is something that's kind of a never-ending problem because of the way that we conduct trade globally. And I was looking for something that would actually be Sort of more productive in an immediate, in um, an immediate sense. Um, and I was really interested in growing food sustainably in cities, so I started doing a bit of looking around, and I looked at some different sustainable aquaculture projects. But what really caught my eye was the idea of employing a whole ecosystem to grow food, and that's that's growing food with aquaponics. And um, so that's what got me interested in it, because I have a background in learning about ecology and ecosystems and the way that things have evolved, you know, we might as well take advantage of them and the way that they all work together to produce food instead of, uh, doing it our own linear way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Here, here in Hawaii, they, uh, they call it the, the, uh, your own ahu In the, in the old days in Hawaii, they would, they would, um, separate land and ahu and it would go from the top of the mountains to the sea because it was an entire, it was an entire ecosystem. And, um, so a lot of the the local uh, native Hawaiians here, when they're doing aquaponics, they call it they call it their ahu, you know, which is just an ecosystem.
1: That's great. Yeah, I love that. It's it's just a wonderful way to look at growing food. I mean, we're part of the ecosystem too, you know. Yeah, so we absolutely. We should we should operate that way. Yeah.
0: And so, you know, once you got started, uh, what was the biggest mistake that you made? I think for me, so I started
1: with uh, some backyard systems that I built, uh, three of them, so I could do different experiments and compare treatments and things like that. Um, and then I got interested in growing indoors. Um, and I think that maybe one of the biggest mistakes I made in the beginning was just uh, entertaining a lot of different ideas and ways to approach um, uh Building a business out of out of growing these uh, growing food and indoor systems, and I kind of I found very quickly that you know it was easy to get focused on a lot of potential new ideas, but what would really what really ended up working well for me was to just find a couple that were working and settle down and really work hard to to refine them. So what I eventually settled on because I really wanted to do indoor aquaponics was uh, making indoor systems that people can just uh, use really easily and that are really refined and they can um, be dependable and they grow a good amount of food. And then the other piece of it is just growing something that's a highly valuable in the small amount of space that indoor uh, systems could produce. And in my case, I focused on microgreens because I started seeing a need for um, the nutritional value of microgreens plus just uh, also um, restaurants needing them for garnishes and, and just they're highly valuable and highly nutrient dense. So, so in, in my case, I think the the biggest mistake I made was kind of entertaining all possibilities under the sun. But then again, you never know. Maybe that was actually a good thing that led me to what I'm doing today.
0: Yeah. To help you, to help you get focused on that, on that one thing.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I've, <laughs> exactly. I've, been, I've
0: been thinking about that. I've been thinking about that as a business, and, you know, like, uh, like a, a a light bulb isn't as nearly as powerful as a laser beam and, and the, the thing about the laser beam is it's just highly focused light and uh, and so I've been thinking about that in the business okay what is the one thing that we're going to do with our aquaponics and focus on that with just with, with supreme intensity you know to to really grow, grow the business successfully
1: yeah I can really relate to what you're saying exactly I mean we all have a finite amount of time and we have the certain skills that we have and so figuring out what you can do with your skills and your time that can really make an impact. It's, it's a lot more, it's a lot more, um, rewarding and then also just sort of productive as well. So for me, I'm focusing on indoor, indoor systems. I mean, aquaponics can be done any number of ways, any number of scales. But what I'd really like to see is, uh, food being grown in every home or apartment or office space or, um, you know, uh, grocery store, all of these things, yeah. you're already in a climate controlled environment. You know, when I was working outside, I had to, I noticed that I lost a lot of heat and energy um, even just in the greenhouse, you know, and what is exciting to me about working indoors is, is, you know, you're already keeping the climate um, at a, a good temperature for human beings. And that happens to be good for the beneficial bacteria in the system. And then also for the crops and the fish too. So um, yeah, so that's what I'm I'm focusing on with a laser. <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> yeah, so you know, on the flip side, I usually ask, you know, what, what's the most important lesson you learned for be, to be successful when doing aquaponics? But it kind of seems like the mistake and the success kind of happen one and the same.
1: Yeah, I think well, because I I really love aquaponics as a growing method. I I was really open to a lot of different ideas. Um, you know, farm scale systems which I do have one to grow microgreens on a I've scaled it up so I can start providing more to restaurants. But just that idea of um you know selling a farm scale system or having um having classes. I mean I, I'm a teacher as well so it was hard for me to kind of pick one area that I to settle into and and I found that when I did really um things started coming together because, you know, yeah. it, I I think you have more time to it. So
0: yeah. 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 Less distracted, more time. Exactly. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. And so yeah, so I originally saw one of your systems. I think it was on someone's Tumblr post, you know. Who knows how I found it. But I was really excited to see what you're doing with, with aquaponics and microgreens. Um so, uh-huh. uh, I wanted to talk about that. Well, you know, could could you talk a little bit more about, you know, why why microgreens instead of full plants um, mm-hmm. You know what? What's been the benefits that that you found for restaurants, even for individuals?
1: Mhm. Sure. So, the, the thing about microgreens is they're very small. Uh, they're you know they're small. They're edible plants that can be harvested after only a couple of weeks of growth. And the the cool thing about that is that they. Have a lot of enzymes and, that they're using to grow, and so nutritionally, they can be of extreme benefit to people too. Um, like broccoli has been shown to even um, detoxify, in terms of taking out benzene and acrolin out of out of people's systems. So, so that's one really amazing uh, piece I think. I, well, I'm excited about with the microgreens, and then. One of the ideas I uh, early on was kind of spurred on uh, when I was uh, in a, a business plan challenge a couple of years ago was this idea of having the indoor system that could be in a restaurant that would just be growing their microgreens because they're um, a high-value crop that they always need, and they are actually something that can um, – that has like a, a small uh, – a relatively short shelf life. So um, – that was kind of the idea that to integrate the indoor system with the microgreens. And I have done that in a couple of different um restaurant spaces in Portland. One is Tabla um, Mediterranean Bistro, and the other is Pure Simple Juice. And the fun thing about that is just seeing, you know, how the customers react to seeing how their food is being grown. And that was kind of the idea too, is just, you know, kind of using it as a, a demonstration as well, just to show people, here's something that we can do, you know,
0: in cities.
1: We can actually be growing food inside our homes uh, all year, you know. Um, So so that was kind of the impetus behind that. But then also, you know, of course, those systems can just be in people's homes as well. And the microgreens are something that's so small that you can get a lot out of them in a small system. So my system is uh, four feet wide by two feet deep by – about six feet tall and you know in there i I can get uh it's a a nice display system as well so you have um fish that you can see uh in terms of another added benefit and then there something like five pounds of microgreens come out of that uh, a month and for a restaurant that's really excellent and for a home i mean somebody that's nutritionally focused on um uh, getting as as much uh, health benefit out of their food as possible um it could be something uh useful as well but also i'm looking i'm doing some experimenting now to branch out into um you know other crops that can be grown in that same small system like leaf lettuce that can be harvested repeatedly i'm really a fan of uh the high turnover um very um, sort of like fragile uh pro- crops to grow indoors you know things like leaf lettuce we don't need to be importing from California, you know, we should, we should have a way to grow them in in Oregon. Um, So, and then also just the idea that you can harvest it right away and eat it and get most of the nutrition as opposed to once you harvest something, it starts to uh, disintegrate uh, as soon as you harvest it. So you're losing nutrition the more it sits on the shelf or in the truck or um, in the field, you know, so that's, that's why I really love the idea of microgreens and indoor, indoor growing.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about kind of how you design the system um to work with aquaponics. Uh you know the 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 thing that I kept on reading about doing microgreens and that had me I don't know wanna say concerned but I was trying to figure out a way to to get around it was they said if, if you use too much water you can start getting mold spores in your microgreens. And so, mm-hmm. I, you know, that's what I—that was the—the the thing that I was wondering about the most was, you know, mm-hmm. how do you provide them, like the the microgreens, um, with enough, with the right amount of water, but not enough to, to hurt them. Mm-hmm. If, if you're yeah, how, how did you do that in your system, and you know, how how are you making the system system work, kind of, uh, just from a you know, like a building standpoint.
1: Sure. Yeah. No. I think those are great points to bring up. Uh, the first thing I found with watering to be an issue uh, was back when, uh, again, I, a couple years ago, I was in the Clean Tech Challenge, and I designed the first iteration of this system. And the water was uh, flowing uh, all always through the uh, the beds. And um, what I found was that the first thing that was a problem is it stunted the growth of the plants. Um, they did not need that much water <laughs> all the time right. um, and it's and that and I guess that could fall under the category of a mistake as well is because I was treating them the same way that I was treating you know the chard and the kale and the lettuce that I was growing in my flood and drain auto siphon media bed systems that I had going outdoors um when in fact I had you know plant had started seedlings and planted them in that system, so when they're just starting to grow they are adversely affected by too much water. So what I had to do was um, modify the system so that the trays are on a timer and they are receiving water. It's taken me uh, quite a while to get the exact amount of watering down because I'm also still experimenting with media as well. But basically the system, the reason why it works, and I think you're you're right to be concerned about excess water uh, for all kinds of things like mold and powdery mildew and all of that, um is because I've got the the timing of it down. They're they're watered a lot less than uh my constant flood and drain uh media beds that I had earlier. And it's cut the system in itself is a hybrid um flood and drain with kind of a wicking bed system.
0: Oh yeah. You know?
1: So so the key is really all the work I've done to figure out the um the actual exact watering schedule. And then also, of course, air circulation in the cabinet itself with fans and um, making sure that there's no stagnant air. Um, These little guys get a little exercise back and forth, you know, they get moved around. Um, Yeah, and then choosing the right media that doesn't stay waterlogged. So, of course, you know, you'd never be able to use soil or um, sort of like um, anything that was very dense and would have anoxic pockets. So I'm trying, I've am been trying to find the exact right media where it, I can uh, give it the water and then it retains it, but also it can drain. So these are all – I mean, there are a lot of variables in aquaponics, and I I love that about it, actually. You know, um, it's, it's a simple idea, and it's a simple uh, – um, but really, system—the way that it all goes together—but then dialing in all the little, uh, all the pieces of it is what really makes it work efficiently. And that's, and that's I think where the microgreens were even able to be, um, to be grown like that. And now I have them uh, to where I get consistently a great crop of basil in uh, 13 to 14 days, which is a whole week less than when I first started. Uh, I was, it was taking about 21 days uh, for the basil to get to the size that I, I give it to the restaurants. And then uh, I do a spicy salad mix and uh, arugula and some kale, and all of those are 8 to 10 days, something like that. Wow. So I found with the watering, I've gotten the uh, the turnaround time and the growth time really shortened as well, which is I, – I didn't anticipate that, but it was nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> So yeah, are are you running like do you run your 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 water pumps like say 15 minutes an hour or are you turning them on for five minutes on five minutes off? Or are you doing it some somehow like that?
1: It's just uh, once a day, and it actually um, depends on the type of like I said the type of media that I've been trying out. So I couldn't give you an exact number because that is a factor in it, but just uh, just uh, once a day they get watered once a day. Um and I oh, found that's that's really the key to it, but again it's it's not a media system, so it's not like loose rocks um it's more of a hybrid between uh the time flood and drain and uh wicking bed so um so it doesn't need to have i mean a wicking bed you don't need to pour water in uh every fifteen minutes, you know you know what I mean yeah. um yeah. so so yeah, it's been a really neat journey to figure that out too. Because I said, like I said, I started with uh, lava rock media beds, and they, that's a totally different animal. You know, there's so much interstitial space; the water goes away right away. You know, um, yeah. So,
0: yeah. So are you are you doing anything in between your your fish tanks to do any sort of like solid? Uh, filtration, You know, get rid of, getting rid of the solids or doing anything like that to grow the beneficial bacteria in between the fish tank and your and your microgreen grow bed?
1: Yeah, so I have a sump, and in a sump there's this really nice, uh, like, woven filter that I have that uh, uh, it's like a plastic mesh, and it provides enough space for all the beneficial nitrifying bacteria. And so that's my... That's my uh, biofiltration, and I aerate that sump to break down the solids a bit, and um, really it just it doesn't have very many solids because also I've gotten the fish density down to a low enough point uh, where it's just the right amount, and I don't have too many excess nitrates. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it's not a question of having um, – I don't have large fish in the system. It's a small – twenty gallon aquarium tank. Uh so the solids really all I do is I just um rinse out the biofilter with filtered water uh about once a month and that's that does the trick.
0: Wow. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well
1: I, I wow. like it. I mean it's interesting. All the all the variables that I again it's a more of like that idea of focus. You know, I, I had to focus on each of these variables kind of one at a time you know, find the correct biofilter for the size system because there are all kinds of biofilters you can use. Um,
0: yeah. So,
1: yeah.
0: And then when you are, you know, you, you said you have a, you know, you are grown broccoli, basil, a spicy salad mix. Do you buy, like, a specific microgreens, you know, seeds or do you just go to, like, the, you know, the seed store and just, get normal seed packets like you would if you were going to start, you know, uh, growing, you know, like a regular set of plants.
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I have found that you – what's what I like to do is buy uh, off of the Internet certified non-GMO seeds um, and the ones that are packaged for growing microgreens because then I can get them by the pound as opposed right. to just um, a few in a packet. Um, so, yeah, I do I do actually buy them sp- – specifically for growing uh microgreens. Because of the the uh the volume. You know.
0: Yeah, that's what I what I'd have. love to do
1: oh sorry, go ahead.
0: No no I was just I was thinking that it would be more cost efficient if there was a place you could buy them in bulk rather than just buying a packet.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then what I'd love to do now that I have this uh this commercial space, so I scaled up the system design and I have a commercial space now but to be able to um grow for more restaurants and what I'd love to be able to do and dedicate some of that grow space um to kind of have a, lo- a regular sort of regular sized plant bed and then let some of them go to seed. I mean it would be really neat uh if eventually I could you know be growing some of my own seed but for now I'm just going to keep buying the them. microgreen seeds. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that and um You you just went to Google and you found a place, or do you have a place that you recommend people get their microgreen seeds from?
1: Oh, yeah. So uh, growingmicrogreens.com is a good one um, because they have the non-GMO seeds, Um, and that's where I get them from. Johnny's also has really great different varieties, uh, more specialty varieties as well, so that's a cool one to look at. I mean, there are so many neat uh, seed companies out there, like Territorial and – uh, like you know, I said like I, I like Johnny's too, but I, I'm just kind of going for the ones now that can give me a a good volume of microgreen seeds for a good price too, to where I can go ahead and um, be able to sell the microgreens as well. So yeah.
0: So I had I I had a you know kind of switching over to the the business side uh, of the equation. You know, how did you get your first? microgreens or you know uh set up your system in their in their mm-hmm. in their business how how did you go about getting your first customer you know what was that process like you know um you know were you nervous you know that kind of thing what what was it like to get your first customer
1: oh yeah no definitely uh definitely nervous um but i as i mentioned i i had that uh clean tech challenge experience a couple of years ago and i met some people through that uh that that actually had connections to a few different restaurants and so i was introduced from a friend to a friend to tabla and adam the owner of tabla was just really excited about aquaponics in general i mean so much so that he was like yeah let's put let's put rows of kale you know in the kitchen let's put them everywhere you know so he was the first one that actually had the system too and, um, I think it's because he was so excited about the whole process. It was less, um, nerve wracking. <laughs> right. But, uh, since then, you know, I just, I like to tell everybody, <clears throat> everybody I meet basically, like what I do. And, uh, I've met a couple of people, um, just, uh, word of mouth, uh, like the pure simple juice place. I is a friend of a friend. Uh, and she was interested in kind of, uh, getting, uh, kind of expanding a little bit out of juice and having these microgreens to add to our soups and salads. So that was pretty exciting too. And then also I've just, you know, stopped by restaurants with samples boxes of these live microgreens because I sell them live. And the whole, the whole point being, you know, a restaurant could just order a tray and then just have them sitting there. and They don't, they don't go bad, like cut microgreens. And then they can just keep watering them and um, keep them for a week or so. And then, you know, order another tray, so it's it's pretty simple yeah. for them to keep these alive, but so yeah, then I've just done a bunch of kind of i guess you could say cold calling since then, and like uh just walking into a restaurant when they're not busy, which for me uh was a new experience too <laughs> because okay. I have a lot of friends uh in the restaurant in the restaurant business, and you de- there's definitely a good time to go and a not good time to go, <laughs> if you want to make sure you go when you're not bothering them? So uh, yeah. so that's pretty stressful <laughs> but once I got beyond that then uh you know people are pretty receptive especially when I got to talk directly to the chefs who are pretty excited to try the samples you know and um so it's, it's been neat it's been a really it's been a really big uh ex- growth experience for me personally just uh to even delve into any of the issues surrounding uh having a, your own business you know uh, since I'm yeah. coming from a biology kind of science geek background. <laughs> um, and so so just learning, you know, the components of business and um, just getting out there and talking to potential customers is pretty pretty huge and, and a big step for me, and, and I really enjoy it now, you know. Um, yeah. And I would say, too, that, you know, you have to talk to potential customers before you get one. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: So that that's good to know, too, you know. Uh,
0: yeah, but, you know, not everybody's going to say that. <laughs> yeah. I would say sell yourself first, you know, and, and if if you feel like, you know, this is actually going to benefit a business, you know, and right. actually help their customers, it's a lot easier to go and talk to them about it than, than you just, you know, showing up and saying, here, buy my stuff, you know.
1: Well, that's <laughs> absolutely awesome. true. I mean, the thing is exactly right. You have to believe in what you're offering and that it's a benefit to them, which I, I do believe that. So, so that is, that's the first barrier is getting over your, anything that, that, you know, any of your own nervousness, definitely. Um, but yeah. secondly, you know, like what you said about being a benefit, there's a really, really great group here in town called Taking Care Portland, which helps, uh, uh, people with cancer and remission so that just to, so they can get a handle on a better, healthier lifestyle, less stress, you know, better eating habits, um, uh, acupuncture, things like that. And I've been working with them and, and giving them microgreens for their uh, their dinners and things like that too. And it's been really neat to, uh, to actually hear from people that do have that high uh, need for really nutrient-dense food, you know, uh, to hear mm-hmm. what they feel the benefits are of what I'm doing too. So it's just really neat to to sort of find, find those people that you really connect with and that you can – Really have a good working relationship with because you're offering something that you believe in and and that they believe in too. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And did and when you when you you know you first started uh, approaching the restaurants, did you have to get anything like food safety certified or anything like that? Did you have to go through any sort of permitting process or did um um uh-huh. did you not have to do anything like that?
1: So it's interesting. I talked to the Oregon uh, Department of Agriculture and also the Oregon health authority and uh it's interesting there are a lot of uh rules for selling to like a grocery store. you have to have certain insurance or even a farmer's market, certain liability insurance and um uh, I, I like an inspector, but selling to restaurants and selling to individuals um they you know you don't necessarily need any of any permitting um I did let oh, them yeah. know what I was doing um and so they will be coming to check out the, the large scale farm that I've got going. Um, so yes, I guess checking in with your state, uh, departure, department of agriculture is, is a good first step. Um, and then getting some liability insurance too. Um, but it also does depend. I mean, you can also always sell to individuals, you know, just like, just like if you were a small backyard farm, you know, mm-hmm. um, so.
0: But for yeah, restaurants know, yeah. and
1: and grocery stores and things, you do need you need some oversight a little yeah. bit,
0: yeah. Yeah, and I had I had a one of my sister in laws was like, "Grow me some of this and I'll pay you for it." I'd rather pay you than a grocery store, you know. So like, yeah. You well, know? you know
1: that's a huge point. I think we're at a we're at a time when people really want to know what's in their food and they want to know their farmer, and so that's a, that's bigger to them than even any certification, you know, and as you go to the farmer's markets, you know, certified organic is is monetarily out of the reach of some small farmers, but you hear them explain like we use certified organic seeds and these are our practices and we don't use these pesticides. And you can say, okay, great. You know, Um, it's all about understanding where your food comes from. So that's what, that's, what's so exciting about aquaponics to me is, you know, I can, Show you you know this is where it was grown. I did not use any pesticides or any synthetic fertilizer even you know this is this is kind of as as good as it gets, you know, like this is completely natural, you know yeah, um, uh, so I'm pretty excited about that too, and then you know also telling people about the water savings that if you have a recirculating system indoors um you're not you're not using as much water as you would if you're just pouring water on uh, some crops outside. And even in Oregon where, you know, we had 11% of the snowpack that we're supposed to get last year um, and it's hot outside this summer. It's a hot, hot summer already. Um, I think people are starting to understand reasons to look into how their food is grown, you know, on all kinds of levels, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: Yeah. Conserve water and have it be more efficient in the little water you do use.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And then not being delivered from thousands of miles away. Um
0: mm-hmm.
1: and there's no yeah. waste, you know, if you're growing it basically right where people are eating it. I mean it it's just I love that you're compiling all these stories about aquaponics because it's a multifaceted um field, you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. are doing a lot of different things that all work together and it I just want to see it aquaponics move into the mainstream and have this actually be a viable growing method moving into the future because I think it has a lot to offer you know all of us. Yeah, so.
0: I I believe so as well. Well, we're you know we're running right up, you know, past that thirty thirty minute mark. You know, okay. I, I really want to say uh I, I want to say thank you for talking with us today. If if people want to see your systems or get in contact with you, what's the best way they can see what you're doing?
1: Sure, yeah. Uh, MobiusMicroFarms.com, and my email is anne a n n e at MobiusMicroFarms.com. Uh, on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter as well, people do those things. Um, yeah, I really, I really appreciate you calling to talk with me. This has been really nice to chat with you. Thank
0: you. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I was really glad to finally find someone doing what you're doing. So it's good, good to chat. Well, Anne, I, I appreciate it. You have a a great weekend. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review or go to www.aquaponicsforeveryone.com or like us at facebook.com slash aquaponicsforeveryone.